Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hello and welcome to the Runs World podcast with me, Rick Pearson. And me, Ben Hobson. Today we're speaking with running physio Tom Goom about runner's knee. It's a knee. It's a runner's knee. Yeah. What could possibly go wrong? Well, quite a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, this, this is meant to be part of a series we do with Tom, really, that's kind of answering common injury questions and ailments. Yeah. So if you missed the first one, that was about Achille- the Achilles. Yeah. So go and have a listen. And this one is runner's knee. And we're going to have a few more coming up. So yeah. It's, he's a good guy to. He's very, uh, very good at just immediately making you think. Oh, it should, it's not that bad. Yeah, which is good. It's very clear, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's yeah. clear. Um, yeah, let us know if if there's an injury that you think we should be covering. You can let us know at podcast at runnersworld.co.uk. Nothing crazy though. I don't want to hear about the ear or like. You know <laughs> oh, I mean? every time I go running, I get a nosebleed. <laughs> I, I, no one can help me. I just don't know what's wrong. Hey, look, I've been going into a bit of news, Ben. Yeah, this is a good study. So. Um, People are running longer and longer. People are, people, people are going very far at the moment. Yeah. Harvey Lewis ran 450 miles at the Backyard Ultra. Yes. Which is pretty amazing. Um, but this paper's um, pouring a little bit of caution on things. Just saying, whoa there, right? Because we've all read Born to Run, which is telling us that we're human beings are made to run extremely long distances. But a new paper said that evolutionary argument that humans were made to run long distances... It's true up to a point. In fact, it said that while, humans, well, while Homo sapiens evolved to tolerate running long distances, humans are not optimally designed for such efforts. Mm. In other words, you weren't necessarily designed to go, say, 100 miles at a continuous steady clip. Yes. And I think that's true. Even like if you go into the hunter-gatherer thing, I don't think we were hunting things down for hundreds of miles. We're not like wolves. Yeah, we're not wolves. And you'd, you'd, yeah. be, you'd be eaten by something else, wouldn't you? You'd be doing <laughs> your hunter-gathering within a certain, like... Maybe yes. like a ten mile radius or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's out. There's obviously like outlying tribes or sure. uh, you know, culturally, there's some some yeah, yeah. indigenous people who have naturally run very very far. But I think the broad sweeping all humans. Yeah, like, we're, we're, well, I don't think all, any of my we're descendants were better than horses. All that sort of stuff. I don't I think make... my descendants ran anywhere. <laughs> going by how I feel about it all. But it's, it's an interesting one. It's kind of like yes, we we are good at running long distances compared certainly compared to how good we are at sprinting compared to our other animals. Mm. But we're perhaps not this kind of like precision engineered mammal that's made to run forever and ever. Interesting. So there you go. That's some some news and some science there. Yeah. Hey Ben, you've, we got a letter. Yes. Let me read this out. It's a bit of a you know. Well, it's actually well, more of a, well done us. Yeah, it's, mm, and it's not really well done us. It's more just thanks for getting someone who's more interesting than you <laughs> two on. I think it's probably more of the letter, isn't it? Um, 
So here's, 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 a, here's a letter from Chanel Watson, and it says, I just wanted to send a huge thank you to RW. I recently purchased a new pair of running shoes and subsequently inherited an, Achille- an, an, inherited an Achilles injury. I love injury. the idea of like, inheriting came with one. the shoes. Yeah, yeah. Oh, no. Um, oh, well, if you need a new pair of running shoes, I hope you went to runnersworld.com slash UK and checked out all of our shoe reviews. Oh, absolutely. There we go. Um, after being a subscriber to your magazine, I found out about the RW podcast and I managed to find your episode dedicated to the Achilles from the 26th of September. All I can say is what a fantastic episode. Yes. Uh, it gave me so much info uh, or into rehabilitation from the injury and learned that the damage was uh, to my sheath on the tendon and not the tendon itself. And from the advice on the episode, I've not only been able to get back to running, but achieve a new PB pain-free. This Massive. is the best letter we've ever Massive. got. Massive. That, that, that last sentence is, is huge. All thanks to being uh, immersed in runners. Um, all thanks to being fully immersed into runners world. Now my local 10K race is in two weeks. That's nice, isn't it? Like when we when we when we do this series, when we when we when we kind of talked about it, we were like, we want to create something that's really useful and yeah. sort of serve. We call it service journalism in the biz, um, and that's and that's really nice, isn't it? Because actually, someone pain, has yeah. pain free PB. Yeah, is, is is the ultimate outcome. Yeah, that's so, great. So thanks for the letter. Glad it helped. It's helped one person, which is is all it needs to do. Yeah, which is great. Well, look with that. Let's, let's hope, hope that we can help more people. Wait, let's help another person. <laughs> With our next guest, uh, Tom Goom, talking about uh, runner's knee and how to cure it. Guest of the week, here in the studio. Guest of the week, sometimes on the phone. Could be an athlete, could be a physio, or a complete unknown. Our guest this week is one of the UK's leading running physios. He runs a thriving practice in Brighton and has helped countless runners avoid and recover from running-related injuries. Tom Goon, welcome back to the Runners World podcast. Hi, thanks for having me back. No, thank you very much. We've had some nice letters, actually, about um, the the piece you did on the Achilles. So we're hoping for similarly positive feedback here on the runner's (laughs) knee. No pressure. (laughs) No pressure at all. Um, Let's start with a definition. What, what, What do we mean when we say runner's knee? Well, yeah, that's a great place to start, I think. Um, One of the issues is runner's knee um, often is used by runners like they use the term shin splints, uh, and it can mean lots of different things. Personally, I would tend to think of runner's knee as patellofemoral pain. So um, think of your knee, you've obviously got your kneecap, and that actually has a joint beneath it. It runs in a nice groove on your your femur. So that's your patellofemoral joint. And if we irritate it, if we do too much running quite often um, or other activities that really load the joint, it becomes irritated and it becomes sore. Um, is probably the most common runner's injury, though, hence why it tends to get called runner's knee. Uh-huh. Yeah. I think that that's the, possibly the, the biggest thing with this, right, is that most knee pain kind of central in the middle of the knee will just be sort of like oh it's just runner's knee and that's kind of whereas the knee is that is a complex beast and uh, yeah. and has many different things that can go wrong with it um so yeah i think a little bit more on just exactly what what it is what does that um what causes it i mean you said what causes it in terms of like overload but what is it precisely is it is it a tendon being aggravated is it the joint being aggravated is it a combination of the both yeah, I think predominantly, I would think of it as a joint being aggravated. Right. So um, there's some um, studies that have had a look at this. 
Um, and what they found is that the joint and the tissues around the joint become sensitive. And that seems to be linked to how much we train. So training volume um, seems to do that. And they become sensitive to pressure on those tissues. So activities that put pressure on the joint, like running, but also like deeper squats, sometimes going up and down stairs, are also going to be painful. Not necessarily because the knee joint is damaged, but if we overwork it, if we overload it, it becomes um, irritated. Um, there's some pretty brave researchers out there. There was uh, one that um, actually had a, an arthroscopy, so a little keyhole procedure where they prodded around with an arthroscopy probe to see which parts of his knee hurt. Wow. Um, wow. He didn't have any pain relief. And they found actually it was the soft tissues surrounding the joint that were incredibly sensitive and painful. So it might be we overload the joint. Those soft tissues become really sensitive. Anything that pressures them starts to hurt. So then we've got to calm it down and gradually get back to those kind of goal activities. And in terms of the, the pain, Tom, is it, is it, are we talking about a sharp pain during exercise? Is it something that comes on afterwards? I'm just thinking about people who might want to try to identify that they've got runner's knee, what would they be looking for? Yeah, so the pain's going to be located around and beneath the kneecap. Sometimes it's a little bit more common to have it towards the outside um, of that joint, although it does vary from runner to runner. Um, it is often going to be sore during activity. Um, people will use different uh, descriptions for it. So sometimes it'll be a dull ache, sometimes it'll be a sharper pain, but usually it's going to let you know during activity. Um, this is a little bit different from, from tendons. Tendons, yes, they can be sore during, but they often have this delayed response afterwards. Whereas most of the time with patellofemoral uh, pain, it is going to let you know during. Uh, but we do need to watch out and make sure there's no lasting um, reaction afterwards. Right. And probably the other two main things that runners might have in that region um, would be iliotibial band syndrome. So that's where that's more lateral, so more towards the outside of the knee rather than beneath the kneecap. And that usually is a really quite sharp, tight pain that's very difficult to run through or patella tendinopathy. So that's usually the patella tendon just beneath the kneecap, slightly more pinpoint pain. And you might get other features with that, like early morning stiffness or delayed pain response. So I think a, a good starting point for most runners is to see someone and work out what it is. That's a yeah, good yeah, 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 yeah. Well, that was where my sort of like vague question was going. And the fact that that under the kneecap thing has got sort of like pos many possible like sources of irritation. So it's kind of like, well, which one's which? And as you say, like diagnosis is probably the best way forward in terms of that. And, and people vary too. We talk about sort of classic presentations, but you, you will find every person's different and their pain's a little bit different, which is why it's worth seeing a health professional to work out what it is because you can't get the answers just with a quick Google in many cases. Yeah, unfortunately. <laughs> yes. yeah, the internet hasn't quite got that smart yet, has it? Um, what are the ways that people can recover from this then? As you say, like if it is it, it's not one of those ones where it's sort of, it will, will it naturally go away or is this a sort of stop running and, uh, you know, do these exercises? Because you say if you load it up, it might still irritate it. So what's the sort of way of dealing with it? Yeah, so the, the first point, probably one of the most important things that we can do is try to reduce your running down to a level the knee can cope with. Now, for a lot of runners I see in clinic, that doesn't mean stopping altogether, but it means scaling it back to a manageable level. Right. So have a think if you know people listening in with knee pain, what are the sessions which really seem to stir up your knee and make it sore, particularly the ones that make it sore for a couple of days afterwards? Those are the ones that you might want to scale back. 
So it might be the, the distance, but it sometimes is more, uh, more often the intensity, like the pace, or including hills, like downhill running puts more stress on the knee. Mm. And what we're looking to find is an amount of running where any pain during is pretty mild. So if you're scoring it out of 10, it's a maximum of about three, and it settles pretty quickly afterwards. So ideally, it settles within an hour or two afterwards, and it shouldn't stay sore into the next day. So that's what I would be looking for in clinic. You know, can we find an amount of running that you can cope with? Um, if I can just give you a quick clinical example of this. So had a runner a little while ago who was running 10K once a week. And what was happening is about five, five 6K into it, they were getting their knee pain. They were battling through, getting through their 10K, and it was staying sore for four or five days afterwards. So they were having to wait four or five days until it was settled enough so that they could do a 10K. And of course, that irritated it again. Mm -hmm. So we're, we're listening in here and say, okay, well, it seems all right up to about 5K. Why don't you try a 5K and then let me know how it, fe how it feels afterwards? And then we discover actually the 5K point seems manageable. So let's start to do a couple of 5K runs a week and see how that feels. And then let's take that to three 5K runs a week. So we've got a regular running stimulus for the need to get used to mm. all at a manageable level and then progress. That's interesting, so, isn't it? So more, more frequency, but actually less distance might be one way yeah. people could look at it. Yeah, It's also great to hear that like, with any injury, it's always that sort of like, oh, I'm going to have to stop completely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas in fact, it's, it's, it may be that you might have to stop if it's very severe and you can't like, do anything with it. But there's a reality that actually it might just be that you can still do some yeah. running, it's just got to be rethought. Absolutely. And there are signs that would make me think that I would suggest a break from running, but it will always be a short term break. So let's say there is severe pain. The person's telling me it's painful to walk, mm. it's painful to go up and down stairs. Maybe we're seeing some swelling when we examine them. We're looking at a knee that's really quite irritated at the moment. So, you know, quite often they'll say even a couple of minutes of running is too sore. So yeah, let's, let's take a break and let it recover and then gradually build you back when you're ready. Can we talk about um, surfaces, Tom, with this? I think there's, I don't think there's actually a huge amount of science to suggest that load goes up with hard surfaces. But anecdotally, I think a lot of runners go, oh, it's a, it's a little bit harder on the joints just doing all the pavement running, you know? Yeah. And we always, there's always, we always like look back at that, that stance that most professionals tend to do the majority of their yeah. distance training, especially distance runners on like softer surfaces. Exactly. And, like, and actually yeah. the road is only where they really race. Yeah, when they need to. So is that yeah? As work says, is that is that something to look at? It, it can be. I think I would again do it on an individual basis. So if you're a runner and your knee feels more comfortable on soft surfaces, great. You might choose to do more of your training on soft surfaces. But the science we th we think actually our legs are pretty amazing and mm. they adjust to the surface that you're on. So we used to think a hard surface like concrete would be harder on the joints, but we don't think that's the case actually. And and it's not going to be harmful for the joints to run on road. There's quite a lot of evidence showing that now. So we used to think soft surfaces like grass would be kinder. Yeah. But when it's softer, your leg has to be stiffer to propel you along. And, you know, as a runner, I can think myself well, running on soft surfaces is actually quite hard work yeah, yeah. because you don't, <laughs> you don't have that springy surface to work from. So as I say, symptom based really with that, if it's much more comfortable on grass, by all means train on grass, the big advantage of grass and trail is the stress is changing all the time. That's the, that is one good thing. And that's one reason why a lot of people would prefer trail for, for you know, a decent amount of their volume. 
Yeah, it's interesting. I also think that on the flip of that, the sort of unstable surface, if you're not quite, is this something to consider that if you've got slight knee pain or something like that, the, the risk of, of risk of loading the knees in a strange way, if, if the surface is particularly slidey or, you know, uneven or is that sort of stuff, is that is that something to consider just a sort of like preemptive, actually, I don't think I will tackle that rocky descent. Because, <laughs> <laughs> you know. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And particularly if a patient's saying their knee isn't feeling stable, mm. um, you know, instability around the knee is something that we look into in quite a lot of detail. So occasionally with runner's knee, the pain um, and the lack of muscle strength can make the knee feel a little bit unstable. So yeah, in that situation, we wouldn't we wouldn't really want them doing steep downhill descents on shingle and <laughs> rocks and things that are yeah, going to yeah. disappear underneath them. So. This is the Runner's World Podcast. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. What about um, running style, Tom? Because obviously, uh, you know, I've read Born to Run, like many runners, and there's lots of kind of chat about, you know, actually it's heel striking that is the enemy here. Um, but there is some evidence, is there not, that heel striking might put more force through the knee and then maybe would lead to something like runner's knee more. But don't let me put words in your mouth. Tell me what you think. Yeah, it, it really does depend on how you how you run and how you heel strike. So I personally don't think there's any any problem with rear foot striking and heel striking. And I certainly wouldn't suggest that forefoot striking is better. Yeah. Um, but what we would look out for if we're doing a gait analysis, probably two main things. Um, is the runner overstriding? Or do they have quite a lot of hip adduction? So that's that movement where your knee moves towards the midline of your body, towards the other leg. Yep. Now, both those things, overstriding and having quite a lot of hip adduction, can increase the stress on the knee and on that patellofemoral joint, which tends to get irritated. So those would be the main the main things. Um, it is probably fair to say 
rear foot strike places a bit more stress on the knee compared to forefoot, but forefoot moves it to the calf and Achilles. So if you decide, right, I'm going to go for forefoot now, you're sort of trading one problem for another. Yeah. Um, what I would go with instead, and of course it'd be based on assessment, would be either a small increase in step rate or what runners would call cadence. So we might increase the step rate by five to 10% because that reduces the stress on the knee, or we would look at that hip adduction. So quite often when people have a lot of hip adductions, the knees kind of brush together. So we might cue them to, to not let the knees touch as they run and try that and see, does it help their pain? Before when you talked about irritation in the joint, and I know that this is a sort of, I don't know, part and parcel of runners, but people tend to sort of, oh, it's all right, it's it's fine, I can run, as you say, the, the, the example you gave, oh, I can push through to the end of this 10K. At what point does the irritation become damage? When is this the sort of like, because, the, the, you know, most people will stop if they feel pain, but there is a sort of mindset that actually you've got to push through the pain sometimes and all these. Sort of, is it you've you've had the issue for six months and you've just kept going and going and going? Is that when you're going to do damage or is it sort of more short term than that? No, I mean, I don't, I don't think I would ever say that it's going to cause structural damage to the knee mm. because it's, it's not, the running action doesn't do that. There's quite a lot of evidence showing that now that actually arthritis risk in runners tends to be less than it is in non-runners. Mm. So even if you keep going through it, you're probably not going to cause lasting structural damage to the knee that wouldn't heal and recover, but you're just going to really irritate the tissues if you keep pushing through pain to, to the point where it really starts to interfere with day-to-day -day life. And mm. then it takes a lot longer to calm it down. So we really don't want people to push through pain. There are other negative effects from that. You know, um, you end up get, creating swelling and it in, inhibits the muscles, particularly the quads that support the knee so it's okay to work with some mild discomfort that goes quickly but i really wouldn't push for no. pain i'd really encourage people to see someone <laughs> yeah, rather yeah, than yeah, do yeah. that you know yeah absolutely i remember reading um it was catherine switzer's um autobiography mm -hmm. um and if anyone who's listening doesn't know catherine switzer he was like the first woman to officially run the boston marathon yes but, um and a legend in, in our sport obviously and she had a runner's knee and a physio this is basically this is the 70s though and he said that what you want to do is that that um a wall sit you know, you're kind of sitting on the wall and uh, and she was like, great. And she, she did it and she got up to 11 minutes. <laughs> and the physio was like, I've never heard anyone go more than four minutes. Um, but in terms of like exercises to sort runner's knee, I mean, it'd be interesting to know what you think about the wall sit, but what, what should be looking from a strengthening perspective in terms of um, curing it? Yeah, great question. So probably the most evidence is there for strengthening up the gluteal muscles. So things like gluteus medius inside of the hip and the quadriceps muscles, because they support the knee. Mm -hmm. um, there is a little bit of evidence around strengthening at the, the foot and ankle as well. So those would be the areas I'd often um, assess with a runner and then try and address. Now, generally, the, you know, the four muscles which do the most work in running are, are going to be your glutes, your quads, your calf and your hamstring. So if we're assessing and strengthening up those, that can be very beneficial. Now, I know recently you had a fantastic podcast with Rich Blaygrove. Yeah. Um, which was amazing. Rich is fantastic. Like I'm yeah. a big fan of his work. And I'd say people that are considering doing, um, you know, rehab exercises, I, I'd really highly recommend listening to that because I, I actually think often rehab is strength and conditioning in the presence of injury. So those principles that he was talking about are actually going to be very applicable here. Um, so I might think, can we find a selection of maybe three maximum of four exercises that are manageable for the runner in terms of symptoms? 
and don't provoke and irritate their, their, their pain and address their needs. That's what I would be looking for. Um, so that might look something like some squats in a shallow range because there's less stress on the knee depending on the patient's symptoms. So you okay. might play around with that. So that would work your quads. Mm -hmm. Maybe something like some sideline hip abductions to work the glutes. Very, very little stress on the knee. So usually very well tolerated. Can you Maybe just, some double... what, what are those, Tom? Just to sort of give you an idea of what someone... So they used to be called Jane Fonders. Ah. Um, so you, if the runner pitches them, line them on their side on a mat and lifting the leg up to the side with a straight knee. So it really works the glutes, but with very little stress on the knee. So they're quite a nice way of working the glutes. Um, double leg or single leg bridges will work the glutes and hamstrings, uh, also very little stress on the knee, and maybe including some calf work, like calf raises with the knee straight. Again, it doesn't really stress the knee, but that little selection of exercises quite often will strengthen all around the knee without, without irritating it. There we go. Yeah. I feel, you know, we came into this thinking, oh, it's another one of those knee questions. But again, <laughs> running has proven to be the, the cure almost of this, <laughs> of this, this circumstance. So yeah. it's, it's great. How long does it take? It probably depends on, on the, the patient. But say someone's listening to this and says, oh, I've, I've got runner's knee. I've got all the symptoms. Um, and they're going to go and see a physio. What, what kind of time frame are we looking at, do you think, in terms of getting back to running pain free? Or is it hard? Is it, maybe it's quite hard to say. Yeah, it's, it's a bit difficult to answer because of how different people's presentations are. So we'll have, we'll have some people that only are getting pain above, you know, 10 plus miles sometimes. So um, they're, you know, they're going to have a different response to someone who's still in pain, just walking and going up and down the stairs. And I think one of the key things for listeners to take away is we really do have to modify what we're doing to those individual needs, including those exercises I've just talked about. So some will tolerate squats with, with body weight and lots of extra load even whereas others we're going to have to go with a really restricted range initially and take it more carefully um, we think there's less stress on the knee when you've got less knee flexion during a squat or during a leg press so we might look to adapt it in those ways for those very irritable ones uh, but most people i would say if you're sticking with your rehab for eight to 12 weeks i would expect you to be seeing significant significant improvements in that time even if you're not completely back to where you want to be, I would hope you would be seeing some significant improvement. What about outside of running and training, Thomas? Are there sort of, you know, get the bus when you would normally walk? Is there sort of a good reason to lay off doing some extra things? Should people be icing, you know, all the sorts of the, the sort of standard practice stuff? Yeah, I, th I think it's a good idea to maybe just recognize two or three things that really seem to irritate your knee um, and modify those things. So it, one of the surprise ones for people is sitting. Um, now with patellofemoral pain, it for some reason doesn't really like being sat for a long period with the knee flexed. It just seems to really irritate it. Similar with driving. So little modifications there, just get up and move about more regularly or get your seat height up a little bit. If you're an office chair, so you're not sat with your knee flexed for a long time, um, outside of running, going up and down stairs a lot can really irritate it. So if it's really wound up and really irritated, you might choose to take the, the lift for a few days to let it settle. Um, heavy loaded, deep squats, deep lunges, um, leg press, heavy load through range. If you it's seated knee extension machine, um, all load the knee up quite a bit. So we'd modify those based on symptoms, dial it back to what feels manageable in terms of the range you go through and the, and the load you're choosing to do for those. Uh, as with ice, yeah, 
Ice and heat both have potential to improve pain, but the individual response is probably quite variable. So if you love a bit of ice and it really calms down your pain, great. Mm. But actually there's good evidence really in runners that it's the load management. It's reducing the irritation that actually even on its own with nothing else will help it settle. Tom, if uh, people want to find out more about you and your work, where can they go? Uh, well, um, I'm at Body Rehab Studios uh, in Hove if people want to come and see me for an appointment. Um, and I have my website, which is Running Physio, so running-physio.com. I'm also on Twitter and Instagram and things. So, yeah, please do say hello if people have questions and things. Thank you so much for your time, Tom. Thanks for your clarity in uh, another common running injury. And we look forward to having you back on in the near future. Thank you very much. It's been a real pleasure again. Cheers, Tom. So that brings us to the end of this week's Runners World podcast. Thanks very much to our guest, Tom Goom, and to you, of course, for listening. You can still subscribe to three issues of Runners World for just £5. Head to runnersworld.com slash UK slash podcast offer to get this exclusive listener offer. Thank you for listening to the Runners World podcast. Continue to do so, and you might even learn how to cure other ailments yeah. along the way. Tom will be back to tell us some more. If not, you might get some training advice from some elite uh, coaches. We get athletes in sometimes, the odd celeb. <laughs> so who knows what's going to come next? Uh, thank you for listening. Uh, please subscribe and share with your mates. Thank you. You'll hear from us next week. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.